You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Alan Chews is a book critic for NPR's All Things Considered, a writer and a novelist. His latest novel is To Catch the Lightning, now out in trade paperback, and his newest book is a collection of travel essays titled A Trance After Breakfast. Thank you for joining me, Alan. Great pleasure, Rick, as always. We're here to talk about three very different and interesting books. Uh, Let's start with Don DeLillo's Point Omega, a little novella, essentially, not even really a novel length. Um, Yeah, 115, 16 pages, right. 117 pages. Yeah. One of the things about DeLillo, I think, that is kind of interesting is that I think all of his work has the feel somehow of that he's, that somewhere in DeLillo is a science fiction writer. You know, you took the words right out of my mouth because these books that we're talking about today are really in the same uh, plane or the same same uh, science zone or the same mm-hmm. time zone on how you describe it. Right. There is a, a, a kind of speculation that he practices that is, is similar to uh, the speculation that a lot of science fiction writers practice. Mm-hmm. Um, this new one... Um, Point Omega. I have to say, for me, it was really. Um, I, mean, I just didn't get it. I mean, it just did never rose to the level of uh, the kind of sublimity I think he was he was moving toward. I mean, it's brilliant, but it falls short of the sublime. I think he was reaching for that. Um, so, I think the length actually helps him. I think when he's able to, when he goes for longer, he's able to web, weave this web mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, a conspiratorial theory view of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think that doesn't he doesn't have enough give himself enough room or enough characters really to do that in this novel. Yeah, I think that's probably true. It's probably true because I mean, it's the where it, where he stands now. It's kind of the middle novels where he's really working. At uh, his his best and at his highest, you know, novels like uh, Running Dog and The Names and, mm-hmm. and White Noise. Because mm-hmm. um, I have to confess, Underworld kind of broken half for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, first half I thought was brilliant. Second half, which really has the same kind of feel as this novella, uh, just you know, I guess it was beyond my reach or mm. it didn't reach me. However you want to put it. Um, so, I mean, this is worth reading. I mean, anything he writes is worth reading. If he signs his name, it's worth reading. But <laughs> sentence by sentence, it's, this is worth reading. It's just not, uh, you know, it's not uh, the kind of success I hope, as, as readers, it would, I guess, that we were hoping for. But as you say, it has that kind of science fiction feel. I, I, I think he's even, I, he's aware of that because, you know, he's, there's this passage in the middle where he says, uh, let's see if I can find it. Um, he's talking about the the daughter of the scientist who's the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse was trying to read science fiction, but nothing she'd read so far could begin to match ordinary life on this planet, she said, for sheer unimaginableness. <laughs> uh, so, they, I mean, you can see he's aware that he's striving in the same way that speculative writers are well, striving. Well, you know, his point, Omega, is really 
um, what in the science fiction genre is called the singularity, this, mm-hmm. this point when computers and humans are some kind of advanced human get, comes to the point of being mm-hmm. able to control its own evolution and drive the speed up to 11. That, that's, yeah, yeah well, that's, well, as in, you know, Battlestar Galactica, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Which, my God, I finally finished watching after half a year of watching videos and it's, uh, you know, my life is empty now. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what to do with myself at night. And so, you know, I watched The Thaw last night, but it wasn't the same. And and then I put on the new Star Trek. I'm halfway through that, mm. you know, the new Star Trek movie that's just out on video. And it's got its charm, um, but, it, you know, it obviously focuses on more on individual uh, sequences and episodes than, mm-hmm. than Galactica. But, I, I, you know, for for uh, what's what most people seem to regard as a an odd duck of a genre, science fiction. I mean, between Star Trek and Battlestar Galactic, it's really pervaded the uh, middle class imagination of America for the last thirty years. It has, and I think that's um, in a sense too, because a lot of the people who are living through those last thirty years spent many of them spent. Uh, some of the years before that, reading science fiction and mm-hmm. found themselves in the future they were reading about and saying, "Well, this isn't the, <laughs> I, it, this isn't the 2001 that Arthur C. Clarke told yeah, me to expect." A lot more difficult and, and less precise. Right. Uh, but but the the what for me is a really interesting point of all this is that it's science fiction has reached so many people who would never pick up a book called you know labeled science fiction. Mm-hmm. Because of these series, Star Trek and, and now lately Battlestar Galactica, and then now they're starting uh, this week, I think, or next week, they're starting a spin-off series called Caprica, mm-hmm. uh, which comes out of the uh, Battlestar series, um, set on that uh, you know the, the me- middle capital of the uh, human population prior to uh, the war with the Cylons. Um, I mean, what, what do you think, though? I mean, you know, the, you know, an eighth grader will write a story that ends with, and then I woke up, reader, from the, it was all a dream, and <laughs> Battlestar ends with, oh, all of this really took place 150 million years ago. <laughs> I mean, give me a, a chance to, you know, wake up from my dream where I heard that, but um, it, it's just, uh, the whole premise is, is utterly silly, but it works. Mm-hmm. It's, you it's think? So, I mean, what do you think? Am I over? No, no. I think it's really interesting too, because you know the 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 series upon which it was based mm-hmm. what was like sub cartoon level. Uh-huh. Is that right? I didn't see the original. <laughs> I, you know, it was just a, a, a you know a, a, a low le- you know it was the Kmart version of Star Wars. Uh huh. Uh, and not maybe not even Kmart, maybe Zodis or White Front. <laughs> <laughs> So that they could take it, it just speaks to what uh, I think is is really important is that what matters in the creation of anything, whether it's science fiction or literary fiction, is the talent that goes into the writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the, the writing is the is the least observed, but I think most important aspect, especially in movies and TV, yeah. where you look at it and you see, oh, you're looking at you get caught up in the visuals, and but what really is going to engage you are the storylines and the plots and the characters. Yeah. Yes, you know, uh, just one more thing about movies before we go uh, 
back to the books. In my son Josh just did a mashup of um, of um, Avatar and uh, Fern Gully. <laughs> it's, it's on. It's on. Uh, I guess he said it was on YouTube for a while, but then they made him pull it because of uh, copyright and all that stuff. Um, but it, you know, he, so he goes. He shows you the cartoon with the sound of Avatar, and it works perfectly. <laughs> This is like uh, watching uh, the the Wizard of Oz with while listening to Dark Side of the Moon. There you go. That's exactly right. So if anybody wants to see it, it's uh, they can look at Josh Choose C H E U S E on Facebook, and they can find it there. Um, anyway, come coming back to books where we all start and um, reality too. More Robert, if Ro- you know Robert Stone's reality, talking about Dark Side of the Moon. Jeez, uh, it gets darker and darker and darker um, it's um, it's you know a, a series in this in this collection of stories called fun with problems it's just a series of of uh, wounded desperate people who are trying to what's the word the psychologists say cope um, but they don't cope so well I mean there's a three four page story called honeymoon mm-hmm. I think it's yeah, it, 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 kind of a gimmick story where a guy goes on his honeymoon to the Caribbean and drowns himself. <laughs> goes diving with his wife, but he doesn't come back up. <laughs> I mean, that that is the uh, the dramatic action of each of these stories. Right? Yeah, yeah, that that really is. It, it's a it it's an interesting perception too of our time when you think of it that way. We're we're going down and we're not going to come back up. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a way of seeing things. If like Stone, you have a uh, you know a fallen Catholic, um, alcoholic past, and mm. uh, I mean, but that doesn't keep him from seeing you know the beauty of the moments. Um, and the just the execution, even when you're looking at something dark, it's also always very beautifully written. Yes, absolutely. Elegiac. Yep. Uh, and you know it, it's a funeral service that makes you want to cry. Mm-hmm. Makes you want to live. Yeah. Actually, yeah. that's it. There's the paradox. Mm-hmm. Sentence by sentence, he's, you know, he's, he's one of our best writers, no doubt about it. And he, he engages contemporary culture in a way that a lot of writers who are as uh, high-toned as he is don't always do. In that story, High Wire. Yeah, the 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 kind of you know the the last uh, uh, thirty years or something. Um, it, he really does that. He really does take you uh, on on a you know a dark tour uh, of With the movie actresses, right? Drug addict, right? Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting too how much of a part, not just because of his own past, but also just because of our current culture. Uh, you know drink, drugs, attempt to escape reality mm-hmm. only to find yourself returning to it in the most generally an unpleasant manner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But always, always written and hemmed in and described by beautiful languages, sentences that you mm-hmm. want to stop and linger over. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, but you really need to... I wouldn't read it on a cloudy day. <laughs> oh no! This is this is a, a, a maybe a story that a book where you read one of these stories and um, then you go back to a, a, a fun thriller, right? And, and kind of take 
so you don't get too far out of uh, out of line here. Yeah. So here comes the fun thriller, which is Impact by, um, Douglas. by Douglas Preston. Now you um, know his his brother is the gentleman who wrote the Hot Zone. Is that, oh, is that Richard? Was it Richard? Richard Preston? Yeah, no he kidding. Wrote the Hot Zone. So so there's a reason that Preston um, does and uh, he does this in this book and in, in, in all his books he does the science very well. I think. Yeah, in, Hot in, Zone was a frightening book. <laughs> this, this book is not frightening at all. It's charming and it's mm-hmm. you know story about how this alien machine planted somewhere on one of the moons of Mars is. Trying how, how do we, we say on our planet? Trying to send us a message <laughs> <laughs> by uh, shooting a projectile that uh, is about what three quarters of an inch across that hits the Earth uh, on one of the coastal islands of Maine and goes all the way through the planet and comes out in the jungles of Cambodia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shades of H.G. Uh, <clears throat> Wells. Uh-huh. Uh, the War of the Worlds. And, and the one of the things that I think Preston does very well is he knows how to write a toe-tapping thriller. Mm-hmm. A, and the pacing of this book is really, you know, impeccable. The, yeah. the characters are, I think, <clears throat> you're not going to find the kind of depth-detailed and depressing type of characters that you'll find in the, the previous two novels. Uh, but they're, you know, they're well enough created within their professions and within the plot of the novel to, to you know, charm you and keep you entertained all the way through. Yeah, you've got this CIA uh, freelancer, and you've got this uh, Mars scientist, and then you have this uh, adopted daughter of a fisherman in Maine who's mm-hmm. Science student uh, applying for college and at the same time uh, hooking up with this uh, CIA freelancer to find out what's going on. She's she actually seen the flash of mm-hmm. the first projectile that comes from the direction of Mars, and so she's on the case with him. It, the plot the plot's quite terrific. I think it's really really a neat plot. And and it's uh it's nice that the way he does this with giving you three seemingly utterly disparate stories that when you're yep. reading you might think, well, these are how are these going to tie together? And I think that's really a lot of the fun. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily what's going to happen in each of them, but how they yeah. come together. Yeah. And, and he really does that well, teasing you all the way through. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's being touted now, publishers touting him as the new Crichton. Um, what's your take on that? Well, I think that, you know, he... Uh, he's got some competition, first off. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, I thought the, the Warren Fay guy, uh, mm-hmm. Fragment, uh, he oh, has... Right. That book, I think, you know... That's... Yeah, you're right. That's much more Crichton-esque. Right. Um, or Crichton-ish, what do we say? Crichton-esque. Yeah, and, and actually, too, I, as much as I, I like Preston, I, I really like his the, the, the series that he's doing with the Lincoln Child, mm-hmm. the Agent Prendergrass novels. I just love that kind of goofy Sherlock Holmes uh, mm-hmm. guy, Prendergrass, and all the kind of weird stuff um, that he does. Um, he very well—that um, said, I think that uh, Preston does have— a lot, of, you know, he he brings a lot of the same things to the table that Crichton does. An yeah. ability to, you know, latch on to a single specific science thread, mm-hmm. and, and he also he writes science fiction that doesn't read like science fiction. Right, right. I mean, I I, I like this a lot. I like Tyrannosaur Canyon, but I think you're right. Preston and Child working together 
uh, I mean, their novel, The Ice Limit, I thought was really terrific. Mm, mm-hmm. The Wheel of Darkness, also quite terrific. Yeah, yeah. Those I... are my favorites. Um, but, I mean, you know, if you're picking up a novel for an, an airplane trip over an hour mm-hmm. long, boy, this is, this is it for the moment, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it really depends, too, with both uh, Faye and, and Preston, whether or not they get managed or lucky enough as unfortunate enough, as was Crichton, to get a really great movie mm-hmm. made out of their book. Yeah. I mean, the Andromeda strain, the the very first uh, in, inception of that was was a, a wonderful movie. It was, you yeah. know, had you right on the edge of your seat, and that yeah. really brought him out. Yeah. Now, if they can make, if uh, <clears throat> Bruckheimer or somebody decides to, you know, do a, a toe-tapping version of Impact, mm-hmm. then he may just get it. Or if somebody... Mm-hmm. I know that uh, they're working on a version of Fragment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, kind of... Kind of race against time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like uh, in one of their novels. And um, meanwhile, we have uh, uh, Fern Gully and Avatar. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I hope that... Uh, I have to say that um, Mr. Cameron can probably use being taken down a peg or two, and Ferngully is a good way for him to go. <laughs> uh-huh. The plots are remarkably similar. It, that's that's <laughs> that's scaring me. <laughs> I just hope that. Well, maybe he'll uh, produce a live-action 3D version of Ferngully next, eh? I think I'll miss that one. <laughs> I'll pass on pass that on. I've been speaking with Alan Shoes. He's the book critic for NPR's All Things Considered, a writer and a novelist. His latest novel is To Catch the Lightning, and his newest book is a collection of travel essays, A Trance After Breakfast. Thank you for joining me, Alan. Great pleasure, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.